This is episode 135, Stop Procrastinating and Self-Sabotaging with Angela. Welcome to Over It and On With It. I'm your host, Christine Hassler, and for over a decade, I've been a life coach, speaker, and author. Each week, you'll hear me work directly with a caller as I coach them through a goal they want to accomplish or an obstacle they may be facing. I'll provide a blend of practical and spiritual advice as well as tangible actions you can apply to your own life. Now, let's get on with the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. As you probably know, I am in Australia. This is the first episode I'm recording now that I'm down under. So you might hear some birds in the background. It's a beautiful day here, and I can't find a place where you can't hear the birds. (laughs) So if you hear them, enjoy. And it feels really good to be back here. I'm excited about the workshops I'm teaching here. There's still time to enroll. I've got one space left at my women's retreat. Email Jill at Christine Hassler about that, christinehassler.com. And there are still spaces at the masterclass training for coaches, personal trainers, entrepreneurs. That's April 14th and 15th in Sydney. And the link to that is in the show notes. If you can't find it, you know how to email Jill at christinehassler.com. Before we dive into today's episode, let's talk about one important aspect of self-care. I have talked a lot on this show about the importance of delegation, the importance of hiring other people, the importance of spending money to make your life easier so that you can truly be in your zone of genius, that you have more time to work on the things that are important to you, to spend quality time with the people that are important to you. That's why I'm really excited about our new sponsor, care.com. It's the easy and reliable way to find care for everyone in the family when and where you need it. With access to 8.6 million caregivers across the country, care.com is the world's largest digital marketplace for care. So you're sure to find the local caregivers you need, including nannies, sitters, housekeepers, senior care, dog walkers, and more full-time, part-time, anytime. Care.com can even help with household payroll and nanny taxes. Getting started is easy. You just sign up for free as a basic member to post a job and view in-depth caregiver profiles that include work experience, certifications, and special skills. And I'll have a call to action coming up for that. Plus, you can access background checks, check reviews, read articles, and get tips from parents and caregivers on all things care-related. Think of it this way. If you've had a long day, the last thing you want to do when you're too tired is clean. Quit pushing off the cleaning chores and hire a housekeeper instead. And you might not need help, but someone you know might need help, whether it's mom or dad, someone who's moved into their first apartment, new parents, tell them about care.com. Or did you just bring home a newborn baby? If so, you're probably not listening to this podcast, but if you did, things can get hectic. Hire a housekeeper so things can stay tidy. There's so much you can do with extra help complete that to-do list faster, spruce your place up, get things organized. Think of how wonderful it would be to replace errands with family time. I have really enjoyed using care.com to help me stay organized, especially during this time when I have so much going on. It's a great tool for me when I need care or help at a minute's notice. So here is the call to action. You can save 30% off a care.com premium membership if you visit care.com slash over when you subscribe. Again, 30% off a premium membership. Visit care.com slash over when you subscribe. Again, care.com is the digital marketplace that provides access to tens of thousands of caregivers and provides access to tools to help you find the right caregiver. 
So visit care.com slash over and get 30% off. And now I want to take a moment to thank our fan of the week. Our Rana 81 left an amazing review on iTunes. So thank you for that. She or he wrote, can't really tell by that username. Please, please, please listen to this podcast. If you're struggling internally, stuck in a rut or feeling like you can't change your life, scroll through the episodes and randomly play one that calls to you. I promise there's always something to take away from Christine's wisdom, especially in the coaching calls. This podcast has inspired me, given me hope and challenged me to take action when I was otherwise analyzing something to death. Thank you so much for that review. And please, if you feel inspired to go leave a rating and or review, head on over to iTunes and do that. It helps a lot. Today's episode is with Angela and she calls in with a very common question. We have a lot of callers call in that feel like they're procrastinating or sabotaging things. And there's always a reason why we sabotage or procrastinate. We don't do it just because we're weak or unmotivated. There's some payoff that's keeping us safe. So as you're listening to this call, consider, are you a procrastinator? Do you put things off or try to perfect them and just wait and wait and wait and hold off on really completing things or getting things out there? Do you find yourself self-sabotaging? You take five steps forward, but then four steps back. You get something you really want, but then you doubt it and you sabotage. Do you deal with anxiety, especially when it comes to being seen? Like you want to be out there, but the thought of being seen scares you to death. And growing up, did you ever feel different? Like you just didn't fit in and all you wanted to do was be normal. So keep these questions in mind as you listen to my session with Angela. Angela, welcome to the show. What's your question? Hi, Christine. Thank you so much. Um, so I have a question about how to overcome a few patterns in my life that have been repeating. I, I tend to procrastinate and self-sabotage often, and I'm about to finish a health coaching program. So I really want to kind of get started on nipping this in the bud before I do, because I really think this will hold me back. And I really want to just start addressing these issues. And they've been kind of present in my life for a long time, but I've really just started to examine them more recently. Well, and you said you've examined them and I'm sure you've thought about it. So where do you think this pattern of procrastination and self-sabotage comes from? Well, I do think that I have, um, I'm definitely afraid of being seen. I have a lot of sort of anxiety about putting myself out there. So I think that's, that could possibly be it. It may be like a form of protection. And again, I have a lot of anxiety. So I think sometimes I don't necessarily believe in myself. Maybe that's kind of where, where I've gotten so far on my own. And what is your anxiety like? Is it thought-based? Is it like more feeling-based? Like you feel knots in your stomach? What describe your anxiety to me? Yeah, I'll get like, I feel like my heart races a lot. That's, mm-hmm. that's how I tend to feel it. And then it does kind of trigger um, sort of a thought pattern where I start to go like, oh no, now I'm nervous. And now I can't think of anything other than mm-hmm. I'm nervous. And then it just takes me out of the loop. And I've had a couple of times where that happened and it felt really terrible in the moment and things didn't go well. And, mm-hmm. and I want to, av- I want to learn how to move past that. Okay. And why'd you decide to become a health coach? Um, well, I, both of my parents, um, passed away and they had health issues throughout their lives and just sort of unhealthy, um, you know, patterns and, and they both smoked. They didn't always eat very healthily. And, and I continued that on until, um, about my mid twenties. I'm 32 now. Um, and as I was kind of going through life, I was in a job I didn't like and made a career change. And, um, after doing that, I realized I wanted to really focus on health. The career path I went through is I went into the cannabis industry um, to help people. And I wanted to just sort of pair 
uh, a more mainstream or more generalized um, knowledge of health with what I was doing in that field. And when you just described that to me, do you notice how your anxiety completely went away? <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. So what shifted? Well, um, I think I just, that's, I, that just feels like authentically what I want to do and almost what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's, it's really my whole life has sort of led me to all of these things. So, and I feel like this will also aid me in the work that I'm going to do as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So why do you need the anxiety? I, I don't know. I mean, I don't want it. I want to not feel it in those moments or I want to be able to like soothe myself or calm myself out of it mm-hmm. when I'm experiencing it. Cause it does, it tends to stop me or it tends to stop me from taking on opportunities. And, right. and I just, I don't want to, I don't want to keep doing that. Right. So it sounds to me like the anxiety is just a habit at this point mm-hmm. because you're, you're able to flip out of it when you talk about your purpose and your passion and how this all came about. And basically you're able to get out of it when you're fully in the present moment, mm-hmm. but there's something that keeps pulling you back to the past or the future. And that's when the anxiety is triggered. So let me ask you this. How old were you when your parents died? I was 16 when my mom died and 23 when my father died. Um, but my mother was disabled for most of my life. So her okay. health was always an issue. Right. That's very young to lose both parents and growing up, you never really had a fully present parent. Mm, yeah. A fully present, healthy parent. So we talk a lot on the show about just what's a normal reaction to things. And right. I would say that it's pretty psychologically quote unquote normal. I don't love the word normal because what's normal, but we can, <laughs> it's understandable. Let's put it that way. That if I had a parent who was disabled, that I wouldn't feel really safe and being taken care of. Mm -hmm. And that as a child would probably create a sense of nervousness. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Definitely. I would say, and that's what I related it to when I was young. I would always feel nervous. I didn't Mm -hmm. know the word anxiety, but yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Yes. Because you had a basic need not met. And so the thing that I think is in your way, Angela, is mm-hmm. you are very judgmental of this quote unquote issue. Mm. Of the anxiety. Yes. The mm. anxiety, which then creates the procrastination, which then creates the self-sabotage. But you never really had experiences in your life where it was safe to take risks. Mm-hmm. You didn't even feel safe just doing day-to-day activities sometimes. So putting yourself out there and taking risks is hard. And also, how did it feel as a child having an, a disabled parent? How did you? How did that impact how you think you were seen by others and fit in? Oh, I didn't at all. That's like the, I never fit in. It was I always. And you just said you don't like to use the word normal. I always was just like I just want to be normal. Like mm-hmm. I just wish I had a normal mom. And even if my parents, if my family unit wasn't quote unquote normal. I was like, can we just have like a normal family issue rather than this very different? And I had no other peers or anyone to really relate to on that level. And I, I hit a lot of it, especially, 
uh, once I became a little bit older, like in my teenage years, I didn't, I shared it with like maybe one friend, maybe one or two friends ever met my mom when yeah. I was growing up. Cause I was always just very ashamed of it and didn't want to share it. I didn't know how to express it, and people around me didn't know how to understand me. So I didn't. Right. So you said some key words there. You said, I hid and I felt ashamed. Mm-hmm. And whenever we have those feelings, it's almost like we desire an invisibility cloak. Yeah. We just want to, we just don't want people to be, to see us because if we're truly seen, then they see all the stuff we're trying to hide and all the things we're ashamed of. I used to, that was the, if you know, they ask you the question when you're a kid, what would you pick your superpower to be? That was my superpower I picked. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And what did you think you'd get from being invisible? I felt like I would be safe. Mm-hmm. Like no one. Yeah. I, would, I just felt like I could be who I needed to be and there would be no, no repercussion for doing that. But if you were invisible, where would you go? Where is a safe place that you would go to if you were invisible? I don't know. I mean, then I think I just didn't want, I just didn't want to be seen. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I knew where I wanted to go. I just felt like if I could just get through without anybody asking me questions or having to share this truth that I would feel better about it. Right. And so notice that there's a part of you that thinks you're going to feel best when you're not seen. Mm-hmm. And basically when you're not engaging with other people, which mm-hmm. is a direct conflict with what you want to do as a coach. Right. Yeah. And and, another thing I noted, uh, just kind of in my little notes when I was thinking about our call was that, um, I do also have sort of a pattern of running away from relationships when I, or, you know, yeah, I was in relationships when, when I don't know how to express myself, mm-hmm. honestly. So yeah, this all sort of ties into that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So what's amazing is that you're very clear on a calling and a purpose and how you want to serve the world and how you want to help people. The block and the reason you're sabotaging is because anything that we have tied to safety or love or validation, those kind of core, what we, what we think are survival needs, Mm -hmm. it always wins. It doesn't matter how much our purpose rocks our world and how awesome it is. If we have another part that's wired to survival, that's Mm -hmm. in direct competition to it, guess which wins? Yeah, that one. Yeah. So this is why you're sabotaging is because there's a little kid in there who's scared to death. Mm -hmm. Because you never got a feeling of safety. You never got the feeling of acknowledgement. You never got a real you can do it. It's okay. Other people are safe. You have nothing to be ashamed of. And you never felt like you fit in anywhere. Mm -hmm. But you know what, Angela, it's usually the people that feel the most different that make the biggest difference. So really take that in. It's often the people that feel the most different or have felt the most different that make the biggest difference. But in order for you to do that, You've got to make this little girl inside of you feel safe. And the criticism and the judgment is not working. What has to happen is so much compassion. So like, for example, let's say you are 
writing a blog and mm-hmm. you have it written and you've proofread it and edited it like 80,000 times because the perfectionist is there helping you procrastinate, putting it out. (laughs) And you feel that nervousness. You feel the fear of what people may think or the judgment or will people read it or whatever. And instead of judging yourself or avoiding it or trying to push yourself, you go, I am so, like, I'm so compassionate right now to myself. Mm -hmm. I know I'm scared. I know there's a little girl in me who's ashamed of her disabled mom and doesn't want anyone to come to the house and see what her life is really like. Mm -hmm. I understand. But what I want to say is like, that was then and this is now and it's okay. And you've got to start working with yourself in not a push, drive, motivate kind of way. You've got to find that inner mother because having a disabled mother disabled the mother inside of you. Right. Definitely. I can definitely see that playing out in my life now where, especially when I look at, when I look at myself versus other young women, my age, I I can feel a difference between Mm us. Mm -hmm. What do you feel? I just, I feel like they're more in their feminine energy and they're more nurturing and, and I feel like I lack that or I don't know how to access it. Well, femininity expresses differently in all of us. Um, you don't lack anything. <laughs> you, you, it's inherent within you, so you don't lack it. It's probably just an inner exploration that needs to happen. Mm. So I very seriously doubt that you don't have access to it. Have you ever, well, first of all, have you started working with clients? Have you ever worked with children? Do you have a pet? Any of the above? Um, I'm taking on, I just took on a, a client now. I'm still in the training process, but yeah, I'm taking her on. Um, we just had our first call today and I do have two pets, two dogs. Okay. And do you like shove them around and tell them to eat and sit and shut up? <laughs> just just <laughs> boss them around all the time? No. <laughs> How do all. you treat them? Very lovingly. They're like my little fur angels. So mm-hmm. I love them very much and, and I'm patient with them and, attentive and nurturing, I would say. Exactly. So will you stop telling yourself you don't know how to be nurturing? (laughs) See what happens is there's, there's, there's a part of you and this comes from your childhood. There's a part of you experiencing your life. And then there's another part of you dissociated from your body, watching you Mm -hmm. experience your life and judging you. And that comes from whenever we don't feel safe, whenever we don't feel, when we have a high degree of self-consciousness, which it sounds to me like you had, Mm -hmm. there's always a part of us watching us. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. But when you're with your dogs and you're in the moment, or when you were describing to me what got you into coaching, those parts integrated. There was just you in the present moment. There wasn't this other self-conscious part observing and judging you. Mm-hmm. So the work really is here to to bring that observer that you think is keeping you safe, that's constantly on the lookout, that's constantly watching you, that, that super self-conscious part, and bring it into the present moment and integrate it. And you do that by being really compassionate and understanding because you only became self-conscious because you didn't have compassion and understanding. You didn't feel safe. Mm -hmm. So the more safe you feel, the less you will have to dissociate and have the self-conscious part always witnessing you. Mm -hmm. So have you ever done improv? 
No, no, never. That's almost like something I feel like I would never do. Okay. <laughs> like I would never voluntarily sign up to do that. For my well, own. <laughs> I'm assigning it to you. Oh no. <laughs> and you live in where? In Los Angeles. <laughs> so there's no excuse. Right. capital of the world. Probably. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I want you to sign up. I want you to take some beginner classes. And the reason okay. I'm having you do this is because there's two parts. There's the, you know, parenting yourself and nurturing and compassion, but then there's, there's actions that will help integrate that I want to be separate from work. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Because you need to learn how to be you and be present and deal with the self-conscious part outside of just a work environment. Mm -hmm. And improv is great because you have to be present. You have to go with what's up. You, you have to look stupid sometimes Mm -hmm. (laughs) or quote unquote, I'm putting air quotes around stupid. And it's that it will help you feel more safe to take risks and be free and be expressed. Cause I feel like there's a lot inside of you that you want to share yeah. that you really don't want to be invisible. So we need to find a way to help you feel more visible in, I know improv feels like high risk, but it's really low risk. You know, there may be mm-hmm. 10 other people in the class and also because it's not tied to your work, there'll be less, um, I don't know. It's lower stakes, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I never thought to, I know, like I said, that was something I would never even like think about because it seems scary, but I never thought about the like kind of it being disconnected from work and that making it just easier to, to sign myself up for it and to just go for it. Just to go for it mm-hmm. and to use it as a way to break these patterns, explore, be seen, be silly, not be perfect, not have it all together and really be in the present moment. Mm-hmm. Cause you're really your ally here is the present moment. Mm-hmm. And now Angela today you're safe. And even if your parents were unhealthy physically, and even if your mom was disabled, that didn't mean they didn't love you. Mm-hmm. And that also didn't mean they didn't see you. They saw you yeah, and they see you now. And the other thing that I'd recommend if it feels aligned for you is to maybe start to have a relationship with them, their souls. Yeah. Um, I just finished up a, um, a grief support group that I always kind of thought I was like kind of too late for cause it happened. The losses happened so long ago, but I really got a lot out of that. Beautiful. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely engaging in that, that part of my life. Cause I felt like it, you know, I was, I was so young when all of that happened. I just had to take care of myself and try to meet my needs as best I could. So yeah. I just never took the time to address it. So I think that is the next step. Yeah. I want you to write them. And I, I wish letter, like, I wish you would have blah, blah, blah. Or I, and I, I wish you would have, and I want you to see in me. Like, what do you wish they would have been or done for you? And what do you wish they would have seen in you or see in you today? Because whatever those things are that you're craving from them are what you're wanting from yourself as well. Can you see that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I can see where what I was missing then I'm now missing. I'm still missing, but it's not 
because they're no longer the ones in charge. You know, it's me and I'm still having those, those voids are still there because I haven't, I haven't addressed it. Exactly. So what'd you learn today? Well, I learned that it's my, my child that feels unsafe, my inner child that feels unsafe. Um, and that the present moment is, is where I need to be. Mm-hmm. And when your inner child gets triggered, compassion, nurture, mm-hmm. reassurance, safety. What else? Um, that, um, not everything has to be about work and being perfect. It's, it's really just about being myself and being comfortable with being seen and, and being authentic. Right. Because is being invisible really safe? No, (laughs) it's not. What is safe? What is your definition of safety? Gosh, that's a good question. I think I, I think it's, skewed. I mean, I think my definition was that I don't want to be judged. That feels safe. You Mm -hmm. know, I don't want people to see me or tell me I'm wrong or point out that I did something, you know, Mm -hmm. wrong or just, yeah, I think that, but honestly people will do that regardless. So yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think I need to define and I need to redefine what safety is for me. Okay. Can that be another homework assignment? Yeah. Yeah. And then take that definition into work and into your improv classes. Will you research and agree to sign up? Yeah, I do. I will. I will do that. And if, you know, a lot of times I did, I did improv and, um, sometimes teachers do this, sometimes they don't, but at the beginning, uh, they sort of asked, you know, what do you do? Why are you here? I would share, Uh I would share, you know, I'm super (laughs) self-conscious. I, I, you know, I have a career where I'm want to be putting myself out there to be seen, but there's a part of me that doesn't want to be seen at all and wants to be invisible. And so this is Mm -hmm. my stretch. I'm going to practice putting myself out there and being seen because just that alone is allowing yourself to be seen. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. I mean, that's like literally the types of things I would avoid like Mm -hmm. my entire life. Like that's like, no, not even like not even on the table at all. Not considering it whatsoever. Right. So yeah, I can see that. And I think it's actually perfect timing. I I'm supposed to graduate from my program in July. So if I get started now, by then I will feel a lot more comfortable with it. Cause I, and I deep down, I know like kind of being put in that, that situation where you're forced to be seen is the only way to get over the fear of being seen. Right. Well, and also let's not make it forced. Let's say let's, you're, you're putting yourself, you're consciously choosing to put yourself into a situation to help you heal and integrate new belief systems. But let's not, cause that's going to scare your inner child to death. Yeah. If you're like, I'm being forced into this situation. Ah! Like, no. Right. I'm doing it voluntarily. I'm yes. agreeing. So yes, yeah, it is a choice. Yes. I could have said a no. Choice. Exactly. Exactly. Beautiful. How do you feel? I feel a lot better. I mean, I'm surprised that we were able to get so far in such a short time. And, and I'm, I mean, I listen to your show, so I know how intuitive you are, but it's just really incredible to experience it firsthand. So I, I feel like I have things to do and that I, I believe that they will help. So I really appreciate you, Christine. Thank you so much. Well, and Angela, if you hadn't 
been willing to be seen by me and everybody listening, (laughs) this wouldn't have happened. So can you see what vulnerability and allowing yourself to be seen affords you? Yeah, absolutely. So can this be the beginning of new programming? Like allowing myself to be seen helps me connect. Allowing Mm -hmm. myself to be seen helps me feel supported. Allowing myself to be seen creates breakthroughs that move me forward. Yeah, I see all of those things. Yeah, yeah. If you had hid and never signed up to be, you know, coached publicly, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) you wouldn't be having this breakthrough. And let me ask you, in this moment, do you feel safe? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, it's not even, I don't, I'm not concerned that people are listening or that they'll know. And, and that's just not really a factor right now. Exactly. So can this be your new part of your new definition of safety and of being seen? Can those two things go together? Because for me, I feel the most safe when someone truly sees me mm-hmm. and other people, yeah. you know, some people see me and have their judgments and opinions and whatever. But the person that matters most is me. Like that I truly see myself. The more I see myself and I see my little girl and I see all parts of me, the safer I feel. And then the more I share that, the more connected I feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think I've, I've felt that safety when someone sees me, but in like a one-on-one setting, you know, Mm -hmm. like when that has happened, I feel comforted by it. And I even recognize it as that. And it's just that next step of going, okay, now I have to take it the next step further and not just wait till it's one person or someone I deem safe. Mm -hmm. And you're choosing to, you don't have to do anything. Mm -hmm. Right. Beautiful. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing an update on improv. <laughs> yeah, I, I will let you know how it goes. Keep in touch. Awesome. Thank you, Angela. Thank you, Christine. Thank you, Angela, for your vulnerability. And as I said to you in the call, thank you for allowing yourself to be seen and heard. I know that not only helped you, but it helped all the thousands of people that listen to this show. Angela called in asking about procrastination and self-sabotage, but the conversation really was about feeling safe because of her background. She felt very afraid to be seen. She wanted to be invisible, but yet at the same time, she didn't. The only reason she really wanted to be invisible is because being visible doesn't feel safe. And like I said to her in the call, no matter how much we want something in our present day self, no matter how much we're committed to a mission, if some part of us thinks that doing that mission, putting ourselves out there in any way is a threat to our survival, then guess which wins? The part that's holding us back, the part that's keeping us safe. So I worked with Angela on creating a sense of safety inside herself so that she wasn't so scared of being seen. And you really heard where this comes from. She had so much shame in her childhood. She felt like she just wanted to be like all the other kids. She just wanted to be normal. And because she didn't feel normal, because she felt different, she felt like she needed to hide and she wanted to be invisible. She even wanted that to be her superpower. And in dealing with this, part of what she's done, and she's disconnected from her younger self. She kind of just wants to move on and be in her head and go do her work in the world. But in order to do that, she's got to go back and connect with that little girl and tell her she's safe and make that new definition of safety. 
make her feel okay to truly be seen. She also talked about how she felt like she wasn't nurturing, but quickly we found an example of how she is with her dogs. And I'm not surprised that she got dogs because dogs are, they're just unconditional love. And the fact that she was called to go and get dogs and loves her relationship with them really shows again, her higher wisdom working with her so that she has the experience of nurturing something. And that's what's so amazing to me about our higher wisdom. It will always call us towards people, pets, opportunities that give us an opportunity to really embody and express the qualities we don't think we have, but that we really do. One of the most powerful things that I said on the show that I hope so many of you heard was sometimes it's the people that have felt the most different. Sometimes the people that have felt the most different make the biggest difference. And I want you to just let that land. If you felt different, if you felt alone, if you felt like you didn't fit in, like you didn't belong, that was probably an important part of your journey to making a difference. Now that difference may be in a big way, as a coach, as a speaker, running a nonprofit, something like that. Or it may be in a more intimate way. You may be a different kind of parent than the parent you had. Maybe a different kind of employee, a different kind of citizen. We all make differences in a very unique and special way. And often it has been our struggles, the things that made us feel different that prepare us to make the difference that we're here to make. The last thing I wanted to talk about is why I recommended improv for Angela. I felt like it was important for her to be playful and to do something that helps her feel seen that didn't have to do with her job and that would really get her out of her comfort zone in a big way. And improv is great at that. And the great thing about improv is you have to be present. And I also noticed with Angela that her anxiety really did diminish when she was in the present moment. So the more practice she has being in the present moment, the better. And improv is such a fun thing. And there are classes all over the country, probably all over the world. So if you related to a lot of what Angela was saying, some of the things that she's struggling with, I prescribe improv for you as well. Which brings me to the takeaways from this call. If you do engage in procrastinating and self-sabotaging behavior, really look at what's the payoff in that. There is a payoff. I know you're pretty aware of the costs, but what is the payoff? It is there. And once you can find that payoff, you can look at how to get that payoff in a more healthy, updated way. Also, if being safe is a thing for you, if you're afraid to be seen because you don't feel safe, redefine safety. What does safety really mean? And make sure that your definition of safety includes other people. If you had parents that you feel were disabled in any way, either physically, mentally, or emotionally, can you consider why your soul picked them? What was the lesson that you needed to learn? And beneath whatever disability they had, can you see that there was love there? And finally, do improv or do something that gets you out of your comfort zone. If being seen is a thing for you, put yourself in situations where you're going to be seen, you're going to be judged, you're going to be looked at so that you can become more and more comfortable with it. Because the more that you put yourself in those kinds of situations that stretch your comfort zone, the more comfortable you'll start to feel. 
All right, everybody, that's our show for today. Again, if you want to be coached on the show, email assist at christinehassler.com and we'll get you on the waiting list. Much love and many blessings from Bondi Beach, Australia. Until next time, everybody. Thank you for listening to Over at Non With It. I love hearing from you, so please post your comments or questions at christinehassler.com slash podcast. That's also the place you can sign up to receive coaching from me in an upcoming episode. And if you love this show, please share it and subscribe on iTunes. You can find all my social media handles and sign up to be part of my community at christinehassler.com. Until next week, here's to getting over it and on with it. Much love and many blessings. Bye.